Welcome to our Wednesday night Bible study. Glad that you have joined with us here. Uh, if uh, you're new to this or this is your first time here, what we do on Wednesday nights is we take a book of the Bible and we go through it, the whole thing, one verse at a time, one sentence after another, and uh, keep it all in context and, and hopefully teach you some things, help you to really understand the Bible in its context and in its entirety. So, we are in Exodus. We just finished Genesis. And uh, we decided to continue on in Exodus because it's kind of the rest of the story. Genesis kind of set us up for how the children of Israel, uh, the 12 tribes of Israel, the, the sons of Jacob, his name was also Israel, wound up in Egypt that eventually Moses came and said, let my people go. How did all of this happen? They became a huge nation in Egypt. Uh, they were slaves for some 400 years. And then finally God speaks to Moses. Now, we, we're starting at chapter 3. Uh, we, we did the first two last week. And we learned that uh, uh, what had happened was uh, Moses, as a younger man, realized who he was, what nationality he was from, and, and felt... Did the lights just go up? Oh, good, man, or I'm hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> don't know what happens when you turn 54 lights start changing on you but uh anyway <laughs> i have the attention span of a fly what was i talking about oh moses of course yes we're talking about moses so moses is a young man thinks you know i know who i am we need to get these people free he sees this egyptian beating up on one of the israelites he steps in he kills the egyptian it gets him in all kinds of trouble everybody turns on him even his own people turn on him and he just takes off and he winds up on the backside of the desert for some 40 years, uh, probably feeling very much like a failure. Now, God, we know from reading last week that God had something special for this young baby. And he was saved when they were trying to kill all the young boys at that time. And uh, he was actually raised in Pharaoh's house. Uh, just, it's an amazing story. But now after stepping out to early and making mistakes and, and too much zeal and not doing things right a lot of times we do that we act sooner than we should uh jumping the gun and it got him in trouble so here he is on the backside of the desert 40 years now we pick it up in chapter three now moses was tending the flock of jethro his father-in-law if it wasn't bad enough he's on the backside of the desert he works for his father-in-law <clears throat> and uh <laughs> talk to ross about that and uh <laughs> And and Jethro was a priest in Midian, uh, which was this nation. And he led the flock to the far side of the desert. And he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Now he didn't know it was an angel or that God was appearing to him. All he saw was, this is odd. Moses saw that the bush was on fire, but it didn't burn up. And Moses thought, oh, check this out. This is kind of a strange sight. Why, Why doesn't the bush not burn up? It's kind of odd. So he starts walking towards it, and, and then when the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called out to him from within the bush, Moses, Moses! <laughs> it's got to be really creepy. <laughs> First of all, the bush is burning, but it's not burning, and now the bush is talking to you. All right. I think I got problems with the lights. You know what I'm talking about? That's got to be pretty whack. And, and Moses freezes and goes, oh, okay, I'm here. And God says to him, don't come any closer. Take off your sandals for the place where you are standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And you will hear this now over and over and over and over and over and over and over again throughout the Bible. 
the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. In Genesis, we just read about who Abraham was, and then who Isaac was, and who Jacob was, whose name was turned to Israel, and it becomes the nation of Israel. Okay, and from here on out, these are known as the patriarchs. This is kind of what set the whole thing up. God choosing a particular group of people to do something special in the earth and through whom the Messiah would come. Okay, referred to as God's chosen people. Okay, so you'll hear this phrase from here on out over and over again. Now at this, Moses hid his face. He said, "Ah, you just told me you're God. He didn't want to look because he was afraid to look at God. This was out of respect to, to God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. And I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, Jebusites, a bunch of other ites. And and now the cry of the Israelites has come. By the way, this land, he's naming all these nations now because these are the nations that are filling this land that God promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. And when they went into Egypt, God promised them, I'm going to bring you back to this land. And for all they knew it was going to happen relatively quickly, well, sometimes things take longer than we're comfortable with, certainly in their case, 400 years. He says, now God has heard their cry. Hello, 400 years. Sometimes you get a little impatient and you think God isn't paying attention. God's paying attention, but God has his timing also to, uh, to take into uh, consideration. And uh, so anyway, he, he mentions all these people that now fill this land, but he's going to give them this land just as he promised back to Abraham. Way back, you know, we're talking a long time. Hundreds and hundreds of years have gone by and God has not forgotten his promise. And now the cry of the Israelites, God says, has reached me. And I have seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? Whoa, what a change in attitude. Forty years earlier, he was a butt kicker. I can do it, I can make this stuff happened, I'll kill that Egyptian, rip his heart out, and stick him, buries him in the sand like a big kitty litter. <laughs> and it gets him in trouble. Now God says go, and he goes, oh, what? Who am I? You see the difference? I mean, what a huge difference in attitude. He's now uh, much more humble. Actually, he's pretty broken at this point. A little bit too much so, which we, we will see. But the boy at this point has no self-confidence. Anybody ever feel like that? No self. You're talking about low self-esteem, man. This guy, he didn't even register on the self-esteem meter. Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said, don't worry about it. I'm going to be with you. And this will be a sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When, the peop- when you've brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. This very mountain you were standing right to right now. And Moses said to God, well, okay. Suppose I, I go to the Israelites and say to them, hey, you guys, God sent me to you. And they're going to say, yeah, what God? What's his name? And then what am I supposed to tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. Say, I am has sent me to you. Okay. 
God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, these patriarchs, major psyche on this nation of these three patriarchs, has sent me to you. This is my name forever, the name by which I am to be remembered from generation to generation. What name? I am. This is God. So go, assemble the elders of Israel and say to them, The Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, appeared to me and said, I have watched over you, and I have seen what has been done to you in Egypt. Watched over, but I'm telling you, I don't think they felt that. I'm sure they didn't feel like God was watching over them. 400 stinking years we've been here. They're making our lives hell. They're so threatened by us, they're murdering our boys. As soon as they come out of the womb, things really bite in Egypt for these people. And God says, I've been watching over you. And I promise to bring them up out of your, uh, and I have promised to bring you up out of your misery in Egypt into the land of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, a land flowing with milk and honey. And the elders of Israel will listen to you. Then you and the elders are to go to the king of Egypt and say to him, The Lord, the God of the Hebrews, has met with us. Let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. But I know, God says, that the king of Egypt will not let you go unless a mighty hand compels him. So I will stretch out my hand and strike the Egyptians with all the wonders that I will perform among them. After that, he will let you go. And I will make the Egyptians favorably disposed toward this people. Remember, they hated these people. Treated them just a little notch above cockroaches. They very much despised them. Thought nothing of killing their offspring. They, they, were, they were like animals to them. Slaves. He said, I'm going to make them really like you guys. So that when you leave, you will not go empty-handed. By the time you check out of here, every woman is to ask her neighbor. And any woman living in her house for articles of silver and gold and for clothings and for clothing which you will put on your sons and daughters so you will plunder the Egyptians when you leave you're leaving not only with your freedom you're leaving with all the cash well, that's pretty cool well Moses answered again Mr. Tough cocky guy 40 years earlier saying what what if they don't believe me totally different attitude see what if they don't listen to me and, and say, well, the, the Lord did not appear to you. Then the Lord said to him, what is that in your hand? He goes, a staff. He says, throw it on the ground. So when Bush tells you to throw it on the ground, you throw it on the ground. Throws it on the ground and it became a snake. And he ran from it, I bet. <laughs> Sticks start turning into snakes, Jack. I'm looking for the back door. (laughs) Then the Lord said, reach out and grab it. Take it by the tail. That would have been a hard call for me. Moses reached out and took hold of the snake. And then it turned back into a staff in his hand. Whoa, pretty cool. This, said the Lord, is so that they may believe that the Lord, the God of their fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, And the God of Jacob has appeared to you. Then the Lord said, put your hand inside your cloak. You know, kind of like Napoleon. So he puts his hand in there. 
And then when he took it out, it was leprous like snow. Ah! Okay, I mean, and you have to remember, these people feared leprosy. It would be the equivalent of AIDS today because there was no cure. Okay, you know someone has AIDS. Someone says to you, hey, I got AIDS. Really, how you doing? You know what I'm saying? You get nervous. You get a little freaky. You get a little jiggity. Not that you hate the person, just you don't want to get it. Right? They feared this. All of a sudden, he pulls his hand out and it's covered with leprosy. That would have freaked me out. I would have been, can we go back to the snake, please? And then God says, so now put it back in your cloak. So Moses put his hand back in the cloak, and when he took it out, it was restored like the rest of his flesh. I mean, God is doing some pretty cool things here. You know, it's kind of freaking him out, trying to build up his confidence. Then the Lord said, if they don't believe you or pay attention to the first miraculous sign, I'll just do the stick into a snake deal. And if they don't believe that, then do the hand into leprosy deal. And if they don't believe any of those two signs or listen to you, then this is, this is the third one I want you to do. I take some water from the river Nile and pour it on the ground. And the water you take from the river will become blood on the ground. Ugh. So three pretty impressive signs here. And Moses said to the Lord, okay, now you got to admit, that's pretty impressive. I mean, he see, first of all, he's talking to a bush. You know what I'm talking about? It's like somebody check your medication. You know what I'm saying? He's talking to a bush. It's burning. And sticks are turning into snakes. He's seeing, you know, all kinds of stuff. And God is talking to you. When God is talking to you and miracles are happening before your eyes, it's like that ought to really encourage you. you would, how many of you think that would encourage you tomorrow morning if all of a sudden miracles stuff? I don't know about the snakes and stuff. But I was like, pretty cool. But Moses still wasn't getting it. And he was afraid and he felt so. You talk about no self-esteem. This boy had none. And Moses said to the Lord, O Lord, I've, I've never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. I, I don't talk very good. I don't, I don't want to talk in front of a crowd. Okay, this was not Mark Gunger. I don't like, I don't like talking in front of people. It just creeps me out. How many of you don't like talking in front of crowds? How many of you just... My wife hates that kind of thing. You know, they say it's people's greatest fears. One of people's greatest fears, talking in front of a crowd. They say they fear it worse than death. Can you imagine that? I guess the worst would be having to give a speech at your own execution. That's a bad day. Well, the Lord said to him, Who gave man his mouth? Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I of the Lord? Now go. I'll help you speak. I'll teach you what to say. No, God's like, hey, I make this stuff happen. Now, come on. You're seeing some pretty cool miracles there, right? God's saying, don't worry about it. I will help you talk. And Moses says this, oh Lord, please send someone else to do it. Then the Lord's anger burned against Moses. Dude, you're ticking me off. All right. Wake up, smell the coffee. I am God. Don't be dissing me. God's getting mad. And he says, okay, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. And in his heart, will be glad when he sees you. You shall speak to him and put words in his mouth. I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you and it will be as if he were your mouth 
and as if you were God to him. Wow. But take this staff in your hand so that you can perform miraculous signs with it. Now check what we just said here. He will do the talking. You will be like God to him. Uh, we'll see a little bit later here where he refers to, um, uh, to God talks about uh, when, when you stand before Pharaoh that uh, Moses, you're going to be like God to Pharaoh and, and uh, Aaron is going to be your prophet. He's going to be like the prophet. Okay, he's going to be speaking. Now, I want you to hear something. I've talked about this many times, but clearly I don't talk about it enough because so many people still struggle with it, particularly women. Listen to me, all you married women. All right, and your husband just irritates the snot out of you because he doesn't do what he should do. He doesn't act the way he should ought to act. He's not being the leader of the home. He's not being the leader of the home. Women come to me all the time. My pastor, my husband's not being the spiritual leader of the home. I said, well, what, what makes you say that? Because i got to do everything. <laughs> and they assume because they have to do everything that they are the leader in the home. They do not get it. They do not comprehend it. Listen to me very closely. I will repeat this for the 800th time and I'm on my way to the 5,000th. All right. I will talk about this over and over again until we get this. What you do does not determine who is the leader. Did you catch me? The spiritual authority is not based on what you do. It's based on who you are. Straight up. We just saw about, about Joseph. We talked about this. Joseph is the second most powerful man in the world. The Bible says that there was not one thing in Egypt that Joseph was not in charge of. I don't know what the Pharaoh did. Sat around watching soap operas all day long. He did nothing. Joseph did everything. But it never made him the Pharaoh. Never. Joseph came before the Pharaoh in fear and respect. Because he's the Pharaoh. See, if he had been like in Western culture, Joseph would walk in and say, dude, honestly, you're not doing a thing. It's about time that I take charge here. I'm, I'm the guy making stuff happen. I'm the guy. I should be getting all the credit. What are you doing? Nothing. He'd have gotten his head cut off. All right. He would never thought that way. Because spiritual authority is not based on what you do. Now, check this out. We are about to watch this scenario. Where Moses comes, he comes to the people, goes before Pharaoh, and I'm going to keep pointing it out to you as we go along. You will find out that Moses does nothing. In fact, I'm still not sure what's happening here. Why did God pick Moses? He hasn't done a thing. He's done nothing. Except kill a guy when he shouldn't have killed a guy. But at birth, God knew there was a... Now, eventually, Moses does some pretty imp- impressive stuff when he brings the law of Moses, which we're going to talk about. But up to this point, through this whole thing, he does absolutely nothing. If you were to watch it, everybody, you know, we always think, you know, I like these Cecil B. DeMille films. I want to, I want to see the movie, Moses, you know, come over. And they would show Moses come over. Let my people go. That's not what happened. You know what Moses was doing the whole time? No, 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 he stretched forth his staff. No, he didn't. 
Aaron did. When they came before Pharaoh, Aaron steps forth and says, Hey, let my people go. And he would, he'd stretch forth his hand and he'd go zippity zap and all these things would start, God started kicking butt and taking names. We're going to read it. Coming up here. You would think, whoa, Aaron. Whoa, he's the man of God. I don't know who the old dude is. He does nothing. He never says a puking thing. He just stands there. The entire time through this whole scenario until we get further in the story, he does nothing. But who's the one in charge here? Moses. Stop getting all freaked out in your situation and getting angry. What if? What if in your home, ladies, you're the prophet? What if God actually speaks to you about your home? What if God is showing you things about your home? I promise you, in our house, the one who always sees what needs to be done is her. Mark, do this, huh? Mark, talk to your son. Well, what I do now? Talk to your daughter. Well, what happened? What happened? So she's pointing me around. Go this way. Go that way, dude. But does it ever make her the spiritual head of the home? No, never. I say 98% of most of everything in our home and dealing with our home and with our children came from the little prophet over here. But at the end of the day, I get up and everybody thinks, wow, you're some Moses there, Pastor. Yep, yes, I am. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> Man, I God, I got great kids and they, you know, they're serving Jesus today. And yep, yep, I'm, a, I'm something else. Trust me, it was the redhead. <laughs> what if, what if God actually wired some of y'all? to operate exactly that way. Then quit despising the gift that God has given you. Can you imagine Aaron? Everybody, I hate this! This stinks! He doesn't do anything! I gotta always show up in front of Pharaoh! I gotta tell everybody what to do! I gotta whip the stick around and make stuff happen! What does he do? He does nothing! I've had it! Look at the scenario. He says, you'll be the, he'll be the prophet and you'll be like God. In fact, in point of fact, have you noticed how many times in, 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 the, in the Old Testament here that we've talked about where it says, God came to them and then it talks about an angel. Or in the beginning it says, God spoke to him, but it was an angel that was burning in the bush. But yet he realized it was God. It was like God's prophet was God's representative would come, but they knew it was God. But in most of the scenarios, it wasn't God doing it, it was some angel or something else. Can you imagine the angels going, What is this? How come I gotta go? Why don't you talk to people? I'll tell you who did do that. Anybody got a guess? What was his name? Satan. 
You often wonder, what did Satan, what was it about Satan? What, what part of heaven makes you think this stinks? I mean, honestly, there's one thing for us down here, you know, you got cold, you got, you know, things don't go right. You might get sick, people die, there's wars, at times this place really bites, you know what I'm talking about? Every one thing for us to get mad at God or something. But he's in heaven! Everything is perfect! And Satan becomes discontent. What if, at some point, Satan is looking and going, how come we're doing everything? How come I gotta do everything? I'm the one doing this. I'm the one calling this. We'll even see here that Satan has, to some degree, creative powers. We're going to see that the, 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 the sorcerers of Egypt duplicated some of the very same miracles that Moses was doing. What if Satan goes, I have had him. I'm crying out, I can do this. He's not doing anything. What is God doing? He sits there. Well, you think about it in those terms. I don't put the fear of God in some of you ladies who get so angry at your husbands because they're not doing the spiritual things you think he ought to be doing. You need to be careful. You don't know what spirit that's coming from. It ain't Jesus. When you start becoming disrespectful and critical, and I got to do everything. How come I got to do everything? He's not being the leader. I got to be here. I got it. Fascinating analogies here. Moses will be like God and stand there. Do you realize even to this day, God has always been wired that way? Do you know who God is using to talk to you right now? A 54-year-old do it! Why doesn't God do it? He could. How many know God could talk to you right now? How do you know it would be a lot more entertaining than listen to me? Don't raise your hand. <laughs> Throw that girl out of here. <laughs> For crying out loud. You'll be like God. The other guy will do all the talking. It's amazing stuff, I'm telling you. Spiritual authority is not based on what you do. It's based on who you are. God is God. Period. I'll give you the analogy. The wise men from the east, they came down and worshipped a baby boy. He was 12, he was two years, 12, he was two years old. That's about how old he was by the time the wise men showed up. And they bowed down. And they worshipped. They didn't just go, hey, look at the cute little baby. They worshipped him. And gave him a truckload of money. Anybody who thinks Mary and Joseph were poor are delusional. They come bringing boatloads of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. We are talking the money of the day. Dumps it at their doorstep and worship this little boy who has accomplished absolutely nothing. 
See, we Americans, we, we don't understand this stuff. We'd have walked in and said, what, 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 what is this? He's still pooping his pants. Call us when he does something. We'll be back. That's exactly the way we would have reacted. And it's fine. In our Western culture, it is what it is. In democracy, it is what it is. And there's some wonderful things. But you need to understand the kingdom of God is not a democracy. It is a theocracy. He is in charge. And he puts his mouthpieces into action. And he sets up who he sets up in authority, including in the home. And according to God, your husband is the spiritual leader of your home. And should be respected as such. Even if he doesn't do jack snot. Somebody say amen. Come on. Because the very thing some of you struggle. And there's millions of Christian women who struggle with this. Man I wish I could talk to them all. Madder than hornets. Because their husbands don't do nothing. I'm the spiritual leader. Why? Because I do everything. You don't understand what spiritual authority is all about at all. Wow. So anyway, he says, he'll be your mouth and you'll be like God. And all he pointed out is we go on, you will see, he doesn't do a stinking puking thing till later on. But God uses them in an incredible way. At this, I mean, when you watch this, you got to wonder, why is God using this? He has done nothing. And he does through this whole thing. He does nothing. Anyway, then Moses went back to Jethro, who was the father-in-law, and said, uh, uh, please let me go back to my own people in Egypt to see if any of them are still alive. <laughs> now God just told him, go back there and set them free. He goes, hey, look, I got to go back. I, guess I don't know if anyone's even alive back there. He's not very positive about this. Jethro said, well, go, and I wish you well. Now, the Lord had said to Moses and Midian, now, you go back to Egypt for all the men who wanted to kill you were dead, so it's safe for you to go back. So Moses took his wife and sons and put them on a donkey and started back to Egypt, and he took the staff of God in his hand. The Lord said to Moses, when you return to Egypt, see that you perform before Pharaoh all the wonders I have given you the power to do. And you will find, in fact, he doesn't do any of this, but instructs Aaron to actually do it. But the credit goes to who? Moses. It's called spiritual authority. He says, you go do all this, but I'm going to tell you what's going to happen. I'm going to harden his heart and he won't let the people go. Then say to the Pharaoh, this is what the Lord says. Israel is my firstborn son. And I told you, let my son go so he may worship me. But you refuse to let him go. So I will kill your firstborn son. What God is basically telling you is telling him is this will not go well. He will not listen to you. Until finally the judgment comes and I will take his son. Anyway, at the lodging place on the way. Now, now this, 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 this next verse is one of the most confusing verses in the Bible. Every once in a while you have these verses like, what? It makes no sense. And you know, I was reading with some of the theologians and stuff. They don't really know everybody's just wild guessing here. But check out what happens here. This very next verse. At a lodging place along the way. Now, Moses is on his way. This is the Lord met Moses and was about to kill him. It doesn't say why. I'll give you the marquee version of why I think. Okay? My guess is Moses was going the whole time going, eh, this really stinks. I hate this. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm a nobody. 
I don't ever listen to me. Don't listen to me. I'm going to talk to turn sticks into snakes and everything's going to throw me out. I'm going to listen to fresh. Stupid trip. That's what I think he was doing. And I think God had had it up to here. It was going to kill the boy. Even God, all this time, had protected him from birth, had this great plan for him, and God had had it up to here with him. As God announced Zipporah, his wife somehow became aware of it. It doesn't tell us how she knew. It doesn't tell us anything. It just says all of a sudden God wants to kill him. And Zipporah took a flint, now this is very odd, but took a flint knife and cut off her son's foreskin. Clipped off the end of his wiener. All right, circumcised him. And then uh, touched Moses' feet with it. (laughs) Which is like, what are you doing? (laughs) And says, surely you are a bridegroom of blood to me. And again, all kinds of theories what that means. Nobody, I'm telling you, this whole section here is like, even the deepest theologians are like, they don't really know what's going on. Uh, But it says the Lord let him alone. At the time she said, bridegroom of blood, referring to circumcision. The only thing I can figure is uh, there's always been something, particularly in the Old Testament. Now it changed when Jesus came and he became the Lamb of God, the final sacrifice. He shed the blood finally. And then there doesn't need to be animal sacrifices anymore. But they, there was something, uh, before Jesus came, there was these sacrificial things that they would do. And there's something in the power of the blood. And it was temporary. And it was, it was small. And it really shows us the power of the blood of the Son of God. How that's able to cleanse us off from sin. It's, it's extremely powerful stuff. The analogies here are amazing. But the fact that she did this because Moses had failed to circumcise his son. Which he should have. Because all the Jews had done that. And he hadn't done it with his own son. Somehow Zipporah knew that he was in trouble and took this and the part of the blood as soon as it hit him then it appeased God's anger and you say why is it I, you know it's hard There's people have great great ideas of what all these things mean but there's, there was always something in that something that, 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 that would stay that something had paid the price and, and God would, would, would put his anger and, and God wasn't just you know he wasn't like you know just some guy who had a short temper some of these guys really worked God into this. I mean, Moses is being very disrespectful to God, not being very positive. But there's something about that the blood and it and it just, you know, it it, it cleared away uh, God's anger from the people, and uh, that's why he, they were always instructed to do these sacrifices and offer to God sacrifices and the blood of the goats and the lambs and all these different things. These were temporary things until Jesus was the Lamb of God. His blood, the 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 untarnished blood of the Son of God becomes the final sacrifice and that's how we all have salvation through that everything else up to that point was temporary until jesus came and now once he came that's why uh, there's no need for that anymore so anyway kind of an interesting thing right so anyway the lord says to aaron hey go go in the desert to meet moses and uh, so he met moses at the mountain of god and kissed him and moses told aaron everything the lord had sent him to say and also about the miraculous signs he'd commanded him to perform so moses and aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites. So they come, they get everybody together, and Aaron told them, again, Moses, he's standing there. Aaron tells them all what God had told Moses. And he performed the signs before the people, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them, 
and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. God has seen our pain. He has heard our cry. They start worshiping God. So anyway, afterwards, as God told them, after you meet with the Israelites, then go to talk to Pharaoh. So afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Let my people go so they can hold a festival to me in the desert. And Pharaoh said, who's the Lord that I should obey him and let Israel go? I don't know the Lord. I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has met us. Now let us take a three-day journey into the desert to offer sacrifices to the Lord our God. It's interesting. You know, it's a couple of times I mentioned this, three days. Initially, that's all God was asking out of Pharaoh. Give us three days. Just give us three days, but he wouldn't do it. And eventually, they just took off out of Egypt and took all the money with him. So anyway, he says, listen, let, let us obey God or he might strike us with plagues or the sword, which, you know, they, they didn't know what was all going on. Then the king of Egypt said, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their labor? Get back to your work. Remember, these guys were slaves. They're supposed to be doing stuff for them. Then Pharaoh said, look, the people of the land are now numerous and you are stopping them from their working. Why are we talking? These people are slaves. They should be working. I got pyramids and stuff to build. And that same day, Pharaoh got really hacked off and he gave this order to the slave drivers and the foremen in charge of the people. You are no longer to supply the people with straw for making bricks. They took mud and straw and there's some chemical in the straw that uh, transforms uh, the mud and and helps it become uh, hardened. You know, it's kind of like a kind of a natural cement type mix. Okay, and uh, this is how they made bricks for ages uh, in, in the Middle East and wouldn't surprise me if some still do that. But uh, so so that you needed they would do all the work, but you give them the, the, the straw. So they do this. So he says, quit doing that. You're no longer to supply the people with straw for making the bricks. Let them go gather their own straw, but require them to make the same number of bricks as before. Do not reduce the quota. So it really made life hard for them. They had this heavy quota in the first place, and the Egyptians were giving them the supplies with which to make the quota. Now they're saying, the quota will stay the same, and you get your own stinking supplies. Whoa. Pharaoh gets mad. He says, they're lazy. That's why they're crying out, let us go sacrifice to our God. Make the work harder for them so that they keep working and pay no attention to lies. Then the slave drivers and the foremen went out and said to the people, this is what Pharaoh says, I will not give you any more straw. Go and get your own stinking straw wherever you can find it. But your work will not be reduced at all. So the people scattered all over Egypt to gather stubble for use for straw. I mean, they're freaking out. Where are they supposed to get straw from? They didn't care. Well, the slave drivers kept pressing them, saying, complete the work required for you for each day, just as you when you had straw. And the Israelite foremen appointed by Pharaoh's slave drivers were beaten and were asked, why didn't you meet your quota of bricks yesterday or today as before? Then the Israelite foremen went and appealed to Pharaoh, why? Why have you treated your servants this way? Your servants are given no straw, yet we're told make bricks. Your servants are, are being beaten, but the fault is with your own people. Then they're not giving us what we need. Why are you doing this to us? Pharaoh said, lazy. That's what you are, lazy. That is why you keep saying, let's go sacrifice to the Lord. I'm not sure that's how Pharaoh sounded, but. Now, get to work. You will not be given any straw, yet you must produce your full quota of bricks. He wouldn't back off. The Israelite foreman realized they were in trouble when they were told you are not to reduce the number of bricks required for you each day. Then they left Pharaoh, and when they they found Moses and Aaron waiting for them, 
And they said, may the Lord look upon you and judge you. Now they're screaming at Aaron and Moses. You have made us a stench to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword into their hand to kill us. God shows up. He sends these men, does the cool little miracles. Clearly God has sent them. He gets the boldness. They go to Pharaoh. They say, let my people go. God has finally heard us. And now life gets worse. Whoa. Well, I'm telling you, sometimes, guys, When you start obeying God and start doing the right thing, initially things can get worse. And they can get harder. Indeed, Pharaoh, being inspired by who do you suppose? Satan. Is trying to make things harder for them so that they will stop this nonsense. You don't think when you start obeying God, Satan isn't going to try and come and discourage you? Of course he will. That's why it takes a real determination. I'm going to do the right thing. And some of you just, an error, for example, giving. Oh man, I don't have that much. I got to give. Well, okay, I'll start doing it. I'll try giving. And then for a short time, things get worse. Why? Why are things getting worse? Where are my blessings? Because Pharaoh, Satan... It's trying to make things harder on you and make it more difficult for you because if he knows if he can get you discouraged, you will stop. And there won't be any more of this nonsense giving to God. There won't be any of this more nonsense of of stop sinning and serving God. There's not going to be any more of this nonsense of, 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 uh, of, of coming to church on Wednesday nights and on Sunday mornings and serving God. He will fight you every which way he can to discourage you. Sometimes things get worse when you start doing the right thing. And we'll find out. They win. But here they are. God sent all these blessings. And now they're alive. You think they were in hell before. They just got hell with a decimal point moved over once. This, this, is, this is really miserable for these people now. Well, Moses returned to the Lord and said. Oh Lord. Why have you brought people trouble on this people? Is this why you sent me again? A little bit of a smart aleck. You know that's not why God sent him. Ever since I went to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he's brought trouble to all his people. You haven't rescued your people at all. God's probably thinking, I should have killed you when I had the chance. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Moses, now you will see what I will do to Pharaoh. Because of my mighty hand, he will let them go. Because of my mighty hand, he will drive them out of this country. God also said to Moses, I am the Lord. I appear to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob as God Almighty. But by my name, the Lord, I did not make myself known to them. I also established my covenant with them and gave them the land of Canaan, where they lived as aliens. Moreover, I have heard the groanings of the Israelites whom the Egyptians are enslaving, and I have remembered my covenant to those guys. Therefore, I say to the Israelites, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the yoke. Of the Egyptians. I will free you from being slaves to them. I will redeem you as an outstretched arm and with acts of mighty judgment. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God who brought you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. I will bring you out to the land I swore and uplifted with uplifted hand to give to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob. I will give it to you as a possession. I am the Lord. I'm going to do this. Pretty cool. 
Well, Moses reported this to the Israelites, but they did not listen to him. (laughs) Why? Because of their what? Discouragement. That's the point. That's why things get worse sometimes before they get better. To discourage people. You get discouraged and you don't have faith. Because of the discouragement and cruel bondage, then the Lord said to Moses, Go tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, let the Israelites go out of his country. But Moses said to the Lord, If the Israelites will not listen to me, why would Pharaoh listen to me? Since I speak with faltering lips. Pretty wild, huh? Then, then we get this little insert here. Now the Lord spoke to Moses and, and Pharaoh about the Israelites and Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and blah, 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 blah. These are the heads of the families, and I'm not going to read all these, but the, you know, they were very heavy into genealogies. You can take from the time of Jesus and trace all the way back to Adam. They knew exactly where they came from. There wasn't any mystery. These people kept tabs on all of this stuff. And, it's, and that's why you see over and over and out, again, recorded in the Bible. Okay, well, this was the father of this guy, this the guy, da, da, da. And again, you can trace this all the way back from Adam all the way up to Jesus. Uh, and then, of course, we don't have uh, any more record in the, after that. Um, but anyway, so we'll pick it up at chapter tw- uh, verse 28 here, just before we get to chapter, 20, uh, chapter 7. Now, when the Lord spoke to Moses in Egypt, he said, I am the Lord. Tell Pharaoh, king of Egypt, everything I tell you. But the Lord, and he just basically repeats what he said after taking this little break. Uh, commercial break here but Moses said to the Lord since I'm speaking with faltering lips why would Pharaoh listen to me this is what he just said before okay so it kind of brings us back to where we are and then we'll we'll end with this uh, just to kind of underscore what I had just taught you a, a, a minute ago then the Lord said to Moses see I have made you like God to Pharaoh and your brother Aaron will be your what prophet what does that mean it means Aaron does all the talking. Moses just stands there in authority. It made him like God and the prophet. God and the prophet. Just because the prophet's doing all the yakking doesn't make him God. Doesn't make him the one in charge. We see this throughout Israel's history. They would have kings and King David and all these different guys, but yet the prophets would come and God would speak to them. They would hear stuff. The king wasn't hearing. They would see stuff. The king wouldn't. What is the king retarded? What's the matter with this guy? How come I see this? Why doesn't he see this? How come I got to be the one to see this? Am I married to an idiot? See, the prophets never did that. They just knew God had given them insights. And the respect always went to the king who wasn't seeing Jack squat. Is anybody getting this? Ooh, man, if I could dance this in your head, I'd do a salsa right now. And we'll end there. And we'll come back and we'll pick this up and we will go through this and we will see that uh, now God starts getting tough and they, they, some of the coolest stuff in the history of mankind starts happening here because God starts just kicking butt and taking names and we are about to see the plagues that they go through in the Egyptians before they finally give up and let the people go it is a fascinating story this is this is amazing stuff and there's great analogies in here that tie to our walk of faith today stuff we can learn from this stuff so it's, it's very very good anyway thanks for being a part of all this i will ask our ushers to come at this time to uh take the offering boy you guys you know ladies i, I you know i don't mean to pick on you but honestly don't get discouraged with this thing don't don't get angry and bitter 
You know, the same thing can be said of the church. You know, you know who does most of the work around here? It's not me. It's not me. Lathan does most of it. And I'm glad. But I'm still the senior pastor. Why? Because it's not based on what you do. It's based on who you are and who God's called you to be. See, I think a lot of pastors don't get this. That's why they burn themselves out. And a lot of pastors burn themselves out. It's, it's a big problem in churches. They fry themselves because they're trying to do everything. People are always telling me, Pastor, don't burn yourself out. Don't burn yourself out. I, I, I'm not planning on burning myself out. I'm, I don't try to do everything. I'm busy. We're busy. Most of our busyness is just because we've got to get from point A to point B. But it's not like we're, you know, we're not workaholics. Sheesh, I'm not up at 5 a.m. working like crazy to get everything done for the day. At 5 a.m., I'm laying before the Lord. 6 a.m. I'm laying for the Lord. 7 a.m. I'm still laying before the Lord. Usually about 8 I finally break out of my coma and start getting up. And it takes me a couple of hours even to get my head on straight. But it's not about what you do. What if God has called you ladies and anointed you in your home? For those of you who seem to just always be noticing stuff and always making the calls and stuff and you get so angry about it. What if God's actually gifted you as the prophet in your home? So does that, doesn't that make me the leader of my home? No, it doesn't. It just makes you the prophet. God's using you. What if you just let God use you instead of despising your role as a prophet in your home? What if you embrace it and still show respect to your husband who's like Moses half the time? You'll find that God will start really blessing and empowering your home. You'll find yourself being a lot less angry about things. Anyway, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your faithfulness, your kindness, and your grace. We thank you, Lord, that we can give back to you now a portion of what you have given to us. Help us to be faithful, God, to honor you and to be givers. In Jesus' name, amen.